This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello and welcome to the pod today. We have the incredible Jules Sebastian on the episode today and she's here talking about her new book, Tea and Honesty, which is officially available tomorrow. In this episode, you're going to hear us talk a lot about stuff that's in the book because the book really celebrates Jules' journey as well as people that she's interviewed on her YouTube show, Tea with Jules. So we talk about fashion styling being both behind and in front of the camera. We talk about aging, which is a topic that I really want to pick her brains about because it's something that I feel like I'm challenged with pretty often, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, This book is available tomorrow everywhere. So go out, do yourself a favor, grab a copy and support the incredible Jules Sebastian. Jill Sebastian. Hello. Lola Berry. I'm re- I do this thing where I get really nervous to interview people that interview people as part of their living, which is one part of what you do. One of many parts. Right. What so, am I? Who am I? Yes, I understand that feeling. Do you and, get it too? Uh, yeah. I'm nervous about everything though. That That's my state <laughs> of mind is terrified to do anything. So I'm used to the feeling. But I... We were just saying before, you're like, I'm going to be looking at this and I'm going to be pressing this button. And I, and I completely understand that as the interviewer, there's a million things going on in your brain and you, you just, like, you're trying to be in the moment and, of course, you are, but you're also forward thinking and trying to lead the person in, in that direction of where you want the interview to go, all of those things. But also I think my thing is I get, because I research, I deep dive the guest, mm. then I'm like, I really want to do Jules justice. Like, and so I want to hold as much space as I can for your story. And then I'm like, oh, what if I miss something? Or what if I, you know, I, I put so much unnecessary pressure on myself. Okay, so, take the pressure off. Let's thank just, you. It's just us in my um, dining room actually right yeah. now. Just having a chat. Thank you. So, Jules, you are a force to be reckoned with. So you've just, well, as of tomorrow, your book is officially available, which I have binge read. I actually bought my copy so that you can sign it for me after. But have a look Thank at you. this. Highlighted oh my all gosh. the way through. <laughs> I'm having a proper moment looking at that. Like I've made notes, I've circled oh, bits. Oh, my God. I could actually cry. I'm probably going to start crying. <laughs> That's a moment because... I do that to books. When I love something, I am, I reread it, I've doggy ear it, I've highlight, I'm, I am that person. So the fact that, that someone else is doing that to my book, I could actually cry. That is so what I wrote it for. That's what it's for. Oh, and I, I read in your epilogue, you wrote, I, you know, I hope this is a book that you can come back to many times. And I found myself last night being the Virgo OCD person that I am rereading the bits I'd highlighted, being like, oh yeah, I can't forget to, oh yeah, I want to talk about that. You're so nice. Thank you so much. But like what we said, this is one of many things. You're a TV presenter, fashion stylist, mama bear, two beautiful boys. And I also met Ronnie on my way in. (laughs) Yes. A very cute. Four-legged pooch. He is the greatest dog. 
uh, wife to superstar, like there is so many hats that you wear. So I guess, ah, I, like I definitely want to talk about the book, but I want to hear like I love fashion. I used to work in fashion myself. So I want to hear kind of like that side of your story. So you're an Adelaide girl. Mm-hmm. Kind of you describe yourself in the book as like quite a shy, good girl. Where did this passion for fashion come from? Well, it's interesting because, yes, I do talk about myself as being the shy, good girl and when I reread that chapter four billion times, I was like, wow, I was self-righteous. What a goody two-shoes. <laughs> I was like kind of annoyed with myself a little bit um, at how within the lines I sort of lived my life and and – I felt safe and happy there, of course, but I'm so glad that I've broadened my horizons and and kind of deep dived into the big bad world and experienced a lot more than I ever did when I was younger. So I think um, the passion for the fashion mm. kicked off pretty early on for me, but it not in a regular kind of normal princess, girly, Barbie doll hairbrushing situation. No, you said you were a tomboy. Didn't you love like BMXs yep. with like this this what are they called on the sides? Oh, the the uh, the um like oh, a spot, not a spike, oh my, but like oh a. Oh my gosh, I've forgotten the word. Not a spoke. Spot. It's a. It's a. The thing that you can dink someone on. Is yeah. that what it is? Yes. I have I fully know. forgotten the word. I feel like we're totally aging ourselves right now. Talking about pegs, pegs. pegs. Oh, I was like, I can't forget the word pegs. Yes. You know, so you were more tomboyish. That's how you described yourself, right? I was a real tomboy. Like all my friends were boys. I did not understand what girls were doing playing inside. But then I also had this other side of me that was a deep thinker, quite creative. My mom said from the age of two, I would sit down and colour in within the lines. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't go out of the lines. Ambidextrous, both hands, oh. just just getting that done. I'm officially jealous. <laughs> I know. I've it, always wanted to be ambidextrous. It's it's sometimes a bit of a problem, but also comes in handy on very minimal times. Like it's not that it's not that helpful. <laughs> but I'm left. I, Mum was like, "You need to choose a hand. Cho- choose what are you doing? Like <laughs> you yeah. can't write with both hands." So I chose my left hand. So I'm left-handed officially. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was, uh, when I would get dressed in the morning, it was a bit of a scene for me because, I mean, I drove my mother absolutely crazy with my specific taste in tracksuit pants and <laughs> like everything had to be just so, even though it was kind of, you know, like pants and sneakers and socks and, you know, jumpers and that sort of thing. I was very passionate about how that looked and how it felt oh. and how it fitted and what brand it was, let's be honest. <laughs> and Amazing. We were, you know, we were very, you know, middle class growing up. I didn't, you know, mum and dad didn't have cash to splash around on anything really. And so, um, you know, I would, I would, I would just drive my mum crazy with the Adidas three stripe, you know, the three stripe with the two stripe around the, the yeah, calf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those had to have but specific colours and tube socks were really big back then. So I would wear like three pairs of tube socks because if you only wore one pair, that it didn't scrunch at of the right Of course, you've got to have the right scrunch. Yeah, You're so, taking me straight back to high school. Yeah. And actually... I went to high school where you'd wear the brother school size of an all girl school, and you'd and it was more trendy to wear the red trackies from the brother school than right. your own school trackies. So trackies for teenagers is a th- was definitely a thing, wasn't it? Really important. So you always loved fashion. I always loved it, I, and 
I mean, if you can call that fashion, I didn't really understand my um, my very kind of beeline, very specific feeling that I had about clothes. I didn't know that 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 was a thing. I thought everyone sort of felt the same way. Where would I would just be so annoyed with myself if it, if I didn't get it right, if my tubes weren't right, if my hair scrunchy didn't like I I would it would really kind of annoy me throughout the day and I knew what I wanted I knew what I liked and I I would never wear anything that I didn't love yeah and so I but I assumed everyone was the same and everyone could like choose an outfit and put it together until I realized that they that not everyone is like that and it's a talent like it's a creative talent even when you say you chose to write with your left hand that's the creative side of the brain Mm -hmm. and it makes total sense so I, I, you'll notice one thing about me, I jump around timelines, it's just the way I do my podcast, but I loved reading in the book, it's actually more where you talk about mum guilt, but you got this amazing opportunity with MTV, not necessarily just, not being a stylist, but a stylist on camera, so you were the talent, you, I, I actually have had an interview where you're like, I went into the audition and I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, yeah. And you're like, I'm just going to be myself and yes. tell you how I'd restyle this cameraman yes. <laughs> pretty much. So, And is it true that Hudson was like five weeks, I'm super young when this opportunity happened? Yes, Hudson, my first baby, five weeks old. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's nuts. When I think back, I think, why, why did I? Why no, did I do but that? Passion as well, and I get oh, like, all the things. I can yeah. see why. So, how did it feel going from just talk the career bit for a sec? Like going from styling people mm-hmm. and kind of like you know making people feel really confident to go on stage or on camera to then like oh hang on a sec, cameras are on me, mm. and yes, I need to style this person and do this job. There's a lot of great YouTube vids of style me that yes. you on that oh my show. Gosh, I, love, I just loved that show so much. It was so it fun. so much fun. So and fun. that's what I love about it. It was just, it felt like I was just watching Jules. Like it felt like you. Yeah. Uh, and so did you enjoy that process of being on camera? Um, yes and no. Uh, it's a bit of a two-pronged answer because because everything was so new and I, I truly, I was like, I, I have never done this before. Mm. I, I've never done TV. I don't know how to be. I don't know what to do. I don't know. Like I'm literally learning in the moment. So things you don't know about being on camera, like you can't turn your back, your shoulders have to be out. You've got to be a certain way. You've got to say certain things. You've got to repeat certain things. You've got to do the scene again. You've got to semi-act a little bit when you don't get a line right. You've got to remember lines, like all these things. I had watched other people do and probably by osmosis um, learnt a few things just by watching. But when you are doing it, it is a very different seat that you're sitting in when you're you know, when you're and pressure's person. on as well. There's cameras and yeah. you've got a there's a lot of people holding you very accountable in this one moment. You don't want to stuff up, you don't want to have to do too many takes. Like it's all really, of that. And yeah. I do and I am that person. I'm like you. I put the pressure on myself more than anyone puts the pressure on me. I've always been like that. And I'm a bit of a perfect perfectionist like that. I remember I'd go into um MTV and um I think they got me to read the news a few times, like kind of like 
as a little different thing to style me. And I would be so angry at myself if I didn't get it the first time and that everyone's like, it's fine. Like people, you know, do this five, six, ten times. Like whatever you need, just take your time. But I was like, I need to do it right the first time. Probably because I had to get home to my newborn (laughs) as well and I'm always on a ticking time bomb. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I do put a lot of pressure on myself, which is good and bad, I think. But it's probably also how you become this super mum that has a wonderful career but also a, an awesome family life as well. Uh, and I, I love and I've listened to you on, uh, it was a mum, kind of like a mum's po- Mama Bears podcast and you talked about that feeling of the mum guilt of like having this passion and feeling this kind of like draw to this passion but also like really wanting to be home and not missing out on any of those kind of like really new bub kind of moments how did you navigate that um not well (laughs) I don't think I think and I do write about this in the Mm. book and uh, in the guilt chapter because guilt is different for everyone people have all sorts of types of guilt that would that is my guilt or was my guilt and I've managed to work my way through it Uh, and I don't know if it's because the boys are older now they're in school so right now I can be working and feel zero guilt because they're at school they're learning expanding their minds (laughs) um so and that you know it kind of illegal for them not to go to school so (laughs) no guilt there (laughs) off you go um so I've managed to just jam all that I can in between school hours yeah. uh, as best as I can. Um, but when they were little and young, you don't have that option really and and you you are it. You are the person that, that is raising that person and, and guiding them and mm. teaching them and keeping them alive. And that is pressure and that and and trying to do two things at the same time and especially and I'm not saying this to like, woe is me, but we, our families, both Guy and I's families live in Adelaide. Yeah. So there was a lot of solo time for me yeah. with the children. And it was at a time, weirdly, where my career started to take off. Like it, I'd, I'd been working pretty solidly and, you know, I was working as a stylist and I was really enjoying that. But then when it flipped over to being on the other side of the mm. camera, it something shifts in in your career and life and in other people's view and opinion of you also and they think oh she can do that uh, let's give her another opportunity yeah. and so i think that's how you climb the ladder so to speak is is that you 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 do one thing someone sees you do that someone offers you another thing and that's sort of how it goes and so that was happening but i also had a newborn and I was just, everything was new and learning and making mistakes and trialing things and crying and <laughs> yeah. then trying to laugh my way through it and, mm. and just all the balls in the air all at the same time. And that feeling of guilt where you're like, no, no, you should be at home. That's what you should be doing. You're a new mum. Do that. And then when I'm at, you know, like happening when I, when I was at work and then while I'm with the baby, it's like, you got to answer that email. The phone is yeah. ringing. It's hard to be present in both worlds at the same time, um, and I, I don't have an answer. And yeah. and I think that is what, especially when I was writing this book, I'd get to kind of halfway through it or get to the end of it, and I think, no, nah, still don't have an answer. 
I haven't solved this problem yet. And I'm very sorry for anyone who's reading it thinking that I'm a problem solver here and you're going to like be enlightened at the end of this and have all of the things and the tools that you'll need to get through your life. I don't. I am still figuring it out and I'm still learning along the way, which I think is great. Oh, mate, I think that's life. It's awesome. That's what I actually really loved about the book as well because you're like, this is my experience. Hopefully it helps you and I'm still learning. Basically is kind of like what it feels like the premise of it is. Uh, Something that I think uh, that probably my favourite part of the book is the comparison chapter and you talk about your sister-in-law and her having a young bub at the exact same kind of time and Hudson being like full of energy and running around the park and like wow like quite like um wild, boisterous wild, wild. <laughs> yeah and versus your sister-in-law it's got like this angel that's like yeah really just literally an angel mm-hmm. and you talk about the comparison of the two and kind of like you caught yourself going, oh, well, what am I doing wrong? Am I a failure? You know, all those kind of like negative things. But I don't have kids, but I notice that I will compare myself on social media or like my body's not as good as that person or, oh, have they got that gig over me? Maybe I'm not as good. Why aren't I as good? And so that's why I loved the chapter so much because even though your example was completely different to my life, I could totally relate to it. And there's a beautiful quote that you say at the very beginning is like, comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. So can you kind of just share like a little bit, I've probably just said the whole chat, but can you compare a little bit about your experience with comparison? And you did share something in the book that I really want you to talk about where you did a day where you just did an exercise where you Mm -hmm. wrote down all the comparisons you made about yourself. Mm -hmm. Can you share a bit about that, that moment, that thing you did? Wow, getting tears in my eyes, (sighs) going back to those feelings. It's comparison is the thief of joy. It is a curse. Comparison is a curse. Yeah. And I think we all either do it currently or have done it at some point in our life. And like you said, it's different for everybody. Mine is not the same as yours. And um, I, I, when that was happening to me, poor Mim, my sister-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, get ready, girl, because I'm going to be talking about this a lot. <laughs> um, but we, but even in the moment, we talked about that, and I was like, why is India so quiet? Like, why, why is Hudson so loud? Why, why can't you know? You watch them both walk up the stairs, and Hudson's you know smashed everything on the way, or like fallen off, or like laughing, and and India's just fl- like floating on a cloud. It seems <laughs> just wandering up, you know. I was like so baffled the whole time and it didn't make me love my baby any less. Of course, I was just like, wow, this kid is awesome. He's like, he's he's going to be a great adult. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's just, you know, he's the best fun and, and a great time. It was never about the love. It was, it was just about like, what am I, how do, how can I not be so stressed all the time trying to parent this kid? Um, and Mim and I would talk about it and what I figured out is that um, a calm life doesn't necessarily mean a perfect life. Mm. And when I figured that out, because my life, like everyone always says to me, you're so calm, Jules, Why you're so calm. And I am like, I don't feel that, I don't relate to that. Like when someone is saying you're calm, 
I understand because when I see myself and I hear myself back, I'm like, oh, pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> the inside of me and the the world that I live in is ca- chaos. Mm. It, it's complete organized chaos. And everything changes all the time, last minute this, that, whatever. Someone will just rock into the house like 11 p.m. last night. I'm chatting with some, you know, songwriter in my kitchen about, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, Amazing. It's that all the time. Every day, no day is the same. So I, I welcome that and I love that and I embrace it. Um, but for me, I had to find the calm in the chaos. And so... Those are the moments where when you're parenting, you know, I'm parenting a wild child as well. My calm came from, okay, taking it, taking a step back and, and looking at the schedule and making the schedule the same every day. So I would wake up, same time, everything would be the same for, mm. for my kid, no matter who had them, you know, what we were going, they ate at the same time, went to bed at the same time, all of those things. Even if I was on a tour bus with Guy somewhere in the middle of like orange or whatever, <laughs> Hudson's yeah. schedule remained the same. Mm-hmm. And so that was my sanity and that is how I got through it and that was my like tick off mm. the list of like, okay, at least I'm doing that. Even though it, we're in the middle of nowhere and he's sleeping in the bathroom in a porta cot at least he he's gotten his naps, he's gotten his yeah. good food, he, like all of structure. those things. Structure and so the calm in the chaos was really important mm-hmm. for me and made me feel like I was doing a semi-good job of parenting. <laughs> um, but that's what I kind of learnt from Mim and I's life and not to say you know, her, her life is amazing and beautiful and wonderful and but she gets through. She got through her life how she, she got through it, and just because she, you know, had this angel baby, it didn't mean her life was any easier. Totally. That that's I think what I figured out. Not that I wish bad, you know, hardness on anyone ever, but that's not reality. To have a perfect child and a perfect life that that's not what it. It's not what it means. Nobody's life is perfect. My life is not perfect, and. You just get what you get and you don't get upset. Like our mums always say to us and I now say to my kids, you get what you get. Like that's that's my kid. Do it. And I love how you just said like, and, and this is where I think bringing it back to social media as well, like what you see on social media is a highlight reel. So you can look at someone's life and be like, oh, wow. And I'm sure people you just touched on Sadie, oh, you've got the dream life, the dream husband, the dream kids, the dream career. Got a, you're an author, you know, you're a TV presenter. Mm-hmm. You've got all these amazing things. Anyone would aspire to have one of those things. But it's nice hearing that, yeah, you know, but some days it's chaotic. And and I think, yes, yeah, so for me as well, like social media, I'm like, but that's the highlight of that person's day. That's not necessarily the tricky thing they went through that day. Not everybody shares that. Absolutely. But what I was really interested in was that, like, you touch in the book on negative self-talk and I'm such a person that gets, uh, in the past, until I had a therapist, 100% got caught up in negative self-talk. And is that what you did because you were like, I want to kind of catch myself, I'm going to make a list of all the negative things I say to myself Mm -hmm. and then you read it back to yourself that night and you were like, and you would never say that to your best mate. Yeah, that was very confronting for me. Yeah, I would I highly recommend anyone who's struggling with that to do that because I throughout the day I carried my little, you know, notebook around and any time a thought would come into my head comparing myself to someone because by nature, like we said, I'm a shy person. Everything terrifies me 
first. That That's where I start. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. Um, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to. I don't want people to look at me. Like that's my natural state, and it's so weird that this is my life. And I, you know, you're out on opposite. show. It's yeah. the opposite. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, you know, learnt and learning to embrace it and and to love it, of course. And I do love it. Um, so. Anytime I would go anywhere, my state of mind was terrified. No one's going to like me. I'm wearing the wrong thing. I'll probably, you know, my feet are too sore. These shoes are too high. I'm going to say something dumb. You know, people aren't going to think I'm smart. Something's going to go all mm. the time. That's how I would enter a room. Wow. I, sh- I don't belong here. Um, I, I'm, I'm just Guy's wife. Everyone is happy to see him. I'm just mm. the handbag all of the, all the time, all the time, all the time. Mm. And it's a terrible, terrible way to live. It's a terrible state of mind to enter any situation in, even like school. You're like when Hudson started school, I was like, I'm not going to make any friends. None of the mums are going to think. Oh. I'm going to be the one wearing the weird outfit, probably come from set with my eyelashes on and they're oh, going to think I would I'm love some- that. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to think I'm something I'm not, you know, like yeah. all of those things. Um, and, yeah, when I started to write it down and and what I was saying and I'm telling myself every day, day in, day out, and I was believing it. I was believing that I didn't belong, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't pretty enough, skinny enough, you know, funny enough, like all of the things. And then I wrote it and I read it and I was like, oh, yeah, my God, exactly what you yeah. said. I don't think this about anybody. When I, Whenever I meet someone, I'm like, she was great. Yeah. Beautiful hair, funny. Like I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think one bad thing about anybody else I encountered mm. and then I thought maybe people aren't thinking that about me. Mm-hmm. If I'm not thinking that about everyone else, everyone's too busy thinking about their own selves. <laughs> we spend so much time thinking about ourselves that we're not actually caring about anyone else. But I love that you shared that because I think a lot of people would relate to that negative self-talk and I know like even if I go to an event, I'm a bit like, oh, did I wear the right thing? Mm-hmm. And actually a friend of mine taught me this trick about three years ago. She goes, I walk into the room and I say, I am a goddess. And I was like, excuse <laughs> me? She's like, I deserve to be on that media wall. I, and I was like, where do you get this confidence? She's like, I just believe in myself and I believe it. And and. Because I'm more your camp. I'm more, mm-hmm. oh, am I meant to be here? Imposter syndrome. Uh, I like still to this day get shaky legs anytime I'm on a red carpet. Like I get a bit like, oh, it's the worst. Right? Yeah. It's a weird, but then I love it at the end of it. I'm like conquered this fear or something. So I, t- I love that you shared about the negative self-talk thing because, and I think like you said, that exercise of kind of catching yourself out and yeah. really seeing and being like, holy mackerel. Yes. And to flip it and to be like exactly yes. the opposite. I am totally. a goddess. I belong yeah. here. That yeah. person is should be happy to know me. Yes. I'm cool. You know, yeah. all those things. And You are re- very cool, by the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> so are you. Uh, there's two parts of the fear chapter, chapter that I love. Mm. Um, but as a as an an author as well, I love that you wrote about writer's block because I absolutely have experienced it, but I've never shared with anyone that I experienced. So when I read that you wrote about writer's block, I was like, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> so can you share a little bit about like, it, was it daunting becoming an author or were you like, am I going to be able to do this? Were there any moments where you kind of thought, 
oh, this is a little bit harder than I... Oh, yeah. yeah. Now that you know the inner workings of my mind, you can only imagine where I started with that. Oh, yeah. That was, it, it was literally like climbing a mountain and then having a baby at the end of it. That's what it felt like. Oh, yeah. I was just like, why do people do this? This is so hard. I quit every day. Every day I woke up and I was like, I don't want to, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to finish this. <laughs> this is it. I get why people write novels for, for 10 years yeah. and never finish because that perfectionist thing kicks in and I, I mean, not this is not a novel. This is more of a an offering of, of experiences. And it's a memoir. There's a bit of yeah. you. There's a bit of your guests. Yeah, That's and so it's, cool. it's stories and, and yeah. heartfelt kind of sharings um, and that is vulnerable. That totally. is that is really really vulnerable. There's and and so writing it was, it felt very natural to write it because it's my story yeah. and it's my feelings and it's things that I experienced and and went through and have felt and conquered or not conquered or it's still in the middle of. So that felt very genuine and authentic in the writing of it. Um, the planning of the chapters and and all of that, I, f- I found that quite enjoy- enjoyable, like the creative side of it, of just like planning it out and love a plan, love a, love a the spreadsheet. The structure as well. I, <laughs> yeah. I love, I call it the book skeleton and I yes. love planning out like there's my intro, there's that chapter. Yes. And, I actually uh, called your lovely publisher, Kelly, because we have the same publisher, yes. and I was like, oh, so for the podcast, I think I want to do a, ho- a section on each chapter of the book. And she's like, um, how long is the podcast <laughs> going to go for, Lola? We could do it. So I had to really like troll through and be like, this is because it is such a beautiful structure, your book. And as a writer, I was like, oh, I love the feel of it. It's so easy to navigate. And like you said, you could come back to it and go, I need to read about this today. I need to understand and feel and not feel alone with grief today. So you can read yes. that section and feel really connected and not alone. So, yeah, kudos to you. I know I've just taken you off on a tangent no, there, but no, that's the, just part um, of your authory journey, right? Yeah, definitely was. It took me a while to get to that because I didn't really know what I wanted to say. But once I had the 12 chapters, there's 12 chapters, mm. and I think each of those chapters – their, their experiences, their life experiences, yeah. grief, guilt, comparison, um, fear, identity, yeah. fear, kindness, passion, passion purpose, yeah, all those yeah. big kind of life um, moments that mm. I, I believe all of us, no matter who you are, where you come from, where you're going, what you're doing, you've experienced at least one of those at least one time mm. in your life. And like we keep saying, our sto- no stories are the same. Mine's not the same totally. as yours. We experience these feelings differently but we all do experience it and I think yeah once I got writing I was like oh fear how long have you got could write the whole book about that (laughs) so off I went and did that but then where my sort of um, nerves kicked in was when I would send it to the editor and then the feedback would come and I'm like, she doesn't like it. <laughs> There's so many red lines in this. What is happening? That's when I fetal positioned and oh, like, I I'm wish, a failure. I wish we spoke before that moment because I would have said to you, oh, get ready for the edits. It's the best because it forces you to let go every time you deliver. So you'll deliver a chapter and be like, there you go. I know I'm going to get like three or four more goes at this. So yes. I, I've learned from my – I was the same as you with my first book. I was like every word needs to be perfect, every every punctuation needs to be perfect. And then when I realised, oh, hang on, you get a few rounds at this because yeah. of editing and editors are great. 
rat. Like I'm like rip out what you need to, guys. Yes. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> They're brutal, but in a in the very best way. Yeah, because it's separate. It yeah. You, you oh know? yeah, yeah. And I can't do that like that. I that's not oh. my. That's I can, also not your I job. Can, you don't. Yeah, I can write the thing, but I can't just yeah put the comma in. I don't, I don't know about that stuff. <laughs> um, but I think that yeah the 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 wobbly part for me was probably when I knew it was printing. Oh really? Yeah. And I was like, I can't take it back. That that's it now. Uh, it's done. What's done is done. Have I read it enough? I've read it four billion times. I, I know exactly what's in it. I don't regret anything. But you know when you when yeah. it's final, I don't know what it is about a printed book versus the internet, which is for all of like post I things get every that. day. I'll tell you something that will make you feel so much better though. Go on. My first ever book I wrote self-published and I did had a recipe in there for muesli and rhubarb and I left out the whole part of the rhubarb recipe, went to print. And because it was self-published, I'd paid for or like I couldn't fix it in a reprint kind of thing. No. And now I just make a joke about it. It's fine. Like if I can leave out rhubarb of a rhubarb <laughs> recipe, you are fine, my friend. <laughs> okay, thankfully I didn't write about rhubarb. <laughs> I, there's another bit I loved about and I was surprised about reading in the fear chapter. You'd gone to New York to celebrate your 40th birthday with your bestie yep. uh, and guy, but you and your bestie were hell-bent on, we're going to J-Lo, oh, we're yeah. going to have the night of our lives. Mm. Uh, and then you're kind of sitting there or you're in the stadium and something happens and you describe your uh, uh, your internal dialogue. And as I was reading your internal dialogue, I was like, oh, she's having an anxiety attack. I know that feeling. I know that terrifying feeling yeah. of what's going to happen. Obviously, it was soon after 9-11. And so mm-hmm. so all, all the power had gone out across half of Manhattan or something, hadn't it? Yeah. We were we were in, um, oh, my gosh, what stadium? I'm having a mental, but what? St- the big stadium in Ma- yeah. Madison Square? Madison Square. Wow. I really couldn't remember that. <laughs> Madison Square, the giant, yeah. huge stadium in New York City. Iconic. Yeah. Um, J-Lo concert, beside ourselves. Dressed excited. up to the nines. I mean, yeah. just all of the things, <laughs> the whole day getting ready, you know. Um, yeah, and then fourth song in, J-Lo is about to, she's gone off for a costume change. Praise be to the styling queen of life. I was ready for that next sequin number that she was going to Of course. Oh, my gosh, I can't even get started. Um, and she went off for a costume change and as she was coming back out, crowds going wild, there's thousands of people and the entire stadium goes pitch black. Mm. Every light on stage, every light anywhere, black. And you're jam-packed in there like sardines with thousands of other... Yeah. I am halfway across the world. Mm-hmm. My two kids are at home with my family. Guys Off down the road sushi. eating sushi somewhere, <laughs> not interested. I love that bit how you were like... <laughs> if anyone listening, you'll see Jules writes in the book, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to come yeah. to jail? <laughs> so, and... So everything, all the power goes out and you're, you, you just feel with like terror. Terror. Like. I, I didn't know what was happening. Uh, first of all, I was like, I'm so far away from home. That That's all I could think was my kids. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I need to get to them. That's all I could think. I was just like, what is happening? And you assume because you're in New York City, you – I, I, I don't, I don't know if anyone else in the building, but I assumed the worst. I just went worst case scenario immediately. 
That's like um, primal as well, though. That's like a primal protection mechanism. Even if you take it back to when you go to an event, you're like, I'm not meant to be here. I'm da, da, da. It's like a protection kind of thing, I think. Yes. But your brain was like, okay, there's going to be a bomb go off. There's going to yep. be. I, I just didn't know. I was like, this is the city that things happen like that. In. Yeah. This, this is it. We are in the city. There are thousands of people. I don't know what's happening. And I just was waiting for something bad to happen. Why am I like this, Lola? And your, no, and your best friend, is it Sammy? Yeah. Was so calm, right? She was so calm in this moment. I, I, I was not. I am, it is decided, I am not your person in an emergency. <laughs> I don't think I would be. Don't, I don't think I would be. Yeah. I'm looking at my boyfriend, he's really calm, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> I wasn't I outwardly like going nuts, but internally I was like, I'm, I've died. I am a dead I've dead. Yeah. I'm a dead person. <laughs> yes. We've all yeah. died. That, that's where I was at. Yeah. And I was finding it very hard to come back. And you kind of got stuck in the stairwell and then you finally got out, sprinted, yeah. cool guy. He's like, hang on a sec. And he has a little Google. He's like, oh, half Manhattan's. He's downtown literally enjoying his sushi. Yeah. His and half you, was yeah. not down. My half was. And then you get off the phone and you, you both just burst into laughter, you and your bestie. Yeah. And it's like that uh, – I was thinking of it because, like, as I was reading, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'd be feeling the same way, but I'd also be feeling uh, so anxious and so, like, pent up. And then for the, like, the fear and everything to switch to, like, laughter, it just, like, would have felt like such a little, like, such a release. Yeah. And then you went back to the concert, didn't you? We went back two days later or something. Yeah. I mean, in all your merch. In (laughs) we'd already bought the t-shirt when we arrived on arrival, of course. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. J Lo, um, X. I guess, guess. You know, like full nineties. It was the best. So had our t-shirts. Yeah. And so I, I mean, it really was a bit of a decision for me because I'd felt so afraid in that moment. I was like, I don't I don't know if I want to go back into that fear and that moment of what if, you know, because I'd already gone there and I'm like, what if something bad happens? Yeah. And I'd already lived that experience in my own body. Um, and then to, yeah, so J-Lo, of course, of course, because she's J-Lo. She was like, come, everyone, tickets are back. You're like, come to the, come to the show again, you know, the, Obviously, not her fault. The, the power yeah. went out. So yeah, they put the show back on, and I was like, "Do we want to go back there?" And then I was like, "You know what? This is this is a face you fear moment." Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going. No, nothing bad happened. It was power. Yeah. That, like it, that's all it was. The power went out. The power's back on. Let's go and have a good time. And we had the best time. Oh. The best time. And that and that night afterwards, we, guy was um. He went to this live uh, music gig because mm. in New York, oh yeah, I mean there are just the most it, yeah. insanely talented people just roaming mm. around bars, Little, singing like, away, dive bars, and yeah. yeah. And so he was at this um, this gig, and it was a sun. It was a Sunday night, I think. I can't remember, but it must have been because in my mind, people have come from church and they go to the bars and then then they they just sing like church really? people, yeah, and that and it. You know, so yeah. everyone knows how to play an instrument. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, I'll play the drums. Okay, oh, I'll play the guitar now." The same person, and then that, then they can. Amazing! Z- it's ridiculous. Anyway, so we went, we went and met guy there, and we were just like, "This is uh, the best night ever." One thing about that chapter that has nothing to do with fear at all. You really made me. I'm a huge New York fan, and reading the beginning, the way you describe the heartbeat of New York, I'm like, 
oh, take me back. I like know. It's There's nothing like it. Such a wonderful city, such a wonderful city. There were a few, like I've really geeked out on you. So oh there my were gosh, a few. gosh, I'm so, <laughs> so cool. I love it. There are a few um, quotes because I love exploring fear. That's why this podcast even exists. It's mm-hmm. called Fearlessly Failing. Yes. And in the chapter I love that you wrote like, if you think you can't, you won't. And then, and I think this is a guest of yours on Tea with Jules that said, fear either stops you or propels you forward. And I love the concept of like like failing forward mm-hmm. and kind of like landing and being like, whoa. And I feel like fear either stops you or propels you put forward. That's kind of what you did with the J-Lo concept. But also like that's a really cool motto for like those moments in your career where you're like, I don't know, like imposter syndrome, I don't know if I can do this, am I am I good enough, da, 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 da. And then if you just step into that uncomfy space, yes. it kind of catches you in a good way. Mm-hmm. Would you kind of agree with that? I feel like that should be the new motto of my entire existence. Same. <laughs> uh, I truly, yeah. and I appreciate this podcast a lot because it exactly what we've been saying, it makes you feel less alone. And that's how your book is totally written, I feel. Yeah, and and that's what I wanted for it. I just wanted people to be like wherever they are and whatever they're feeling, like, oh, someone else feels this way, Mm. whether it's me or someone else's story I've written about in the book. It's very comforting to know that we're all a little bit afraid. Yeah, and that's okay. It's okay. You know? And and you're right. Like sometimes it does stop you and maybe that's for a million reasons that, that, that is good. It might, you know, fear, you might not be ready to face fear at that present yeah. moment. You might not be ready to do the thing that that is the next step forward. And I believe it will somehow come back to you. Mm. It, that, that, that moment will come back to you in some form mm. and then you might be more ready the next time yeah, to go I ahead like with that. that. But sometimes you do have to push yourself a little and that is what I have learned because I, I lean so much on I'm shy, I'm quiet, I'm, I'm reserved, yeah. I'm, you know, don't step out of the lines, don't want attention, all, all of that. I leaned very heavily on that. And so when opportunities were presented to me or by sheer force of nature of being, you know, dating someone who became really famous yeah. really fast, <laughs> that that was out of my control and kind of nerve-wracking because yeah. I was like, I'm not ready for this. I don't, why is everyone paying attention to us you know and and so you that those are the those are the moments where I was like okay I got to step into this I've Mm. got to I've got to step forward or else I'm going to get left behind in my own existence and look where it's brought you like look at everything you've achieved there's something I actually watched an interview of you and I was like I'm so glad she's talking about this I'm 35 so for the last probably two years I've started to kind of like grapple with age and the concept of ageing and being like, uh, and I study acting as well. So they say after 38, you'll only be cast as a mum. And I was like, oh my God, I've missed the boat. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it gets really like confronting. And in acting school, I'm 10 years older than all the other students that are there. And so um, I watched you do an interview and you talked about the privilege of being able to age. And I was like, oh, it's the first time I can like even spun my perception to it being such a gift. It's a gift. Yeah. Love it. Oh, give me some of that serum. (laughs) No, I understand your position where you're like in an age of youth and or or a career that, you know, youth is on your side, that is tricky and hard but not impossible. 
I yeah. just don't think it's impossible. Like look at all the older, beautiful women actresses that are just absolutely killing it. We were just talking before this with your wonderful manager, Jen, and we were like, we were talking about Kate Blanchett, Jackie yep. Weaver, mm-hmm. Queens. Queens. Aussies and what too. that Aussies, Nicole Kidman, like I just watched that undoing. Oh my! Uh, we were just talking about I, binging it right before this. I what? Well, I, I have to binge this, right? Isn't you, that amazing? Okay, so third episode. So guy puts it on. I think because he's working with Keith Urban, he was like, oh, you know, like yeah, Nicole yeah, Kidman. Support. Yeah, She's yeah, my yeah. friend. Yeah, um, <laughs> support my friends. Yeah. Um, so he put it on, and I'd heard about it, but I had never watched it. And he put it on, and it was probably it was like nine p.m. when he put it on. Yeah, watch an episode. Watch another episode. Finish oh, yeah. the whole thing. The whole thing. But third episode, I was so terrified because I was busting for the toilet, but I, I, I didn't. I couldn't go alone. <laughs> I so love that amazing. feeling, though, of just being so in something yeah. that you can't turn it off. No, I was scared, Lola. <gasps> like I thought oh. someone was going to come and grab me oh. from behind the wall. So it's full suspense thriller. Yeah, it's thriller. Okay, got you. So he had to walk me to the toilet. <laughs> He's like, this is a first. He's like, I was like, wait there, you need to wait. Don't don't go back to your chair. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so that happened. Um, anyway, where were we? He's like, I can't wait to tell Keith this. And I was like, don't tell him, no. Um, aging. We were talking about aging yes. and how and, and in the um in the interview you talked about it being you're in a place of contentment and being like this is actually a really cool thing to be able and like I do think times are changing as well as like careers in media and as actors as well. It used to be like a young person's game but now we want we want to be able to relate so we want to see all different kinds of people at all different stages of their their life and I um I had an acting class with uh, Deborah Lee Finesse, so Hugh Jackman's wife and somebody oh, said oh, ageing as an actor, like, I, I'm really concerned. And she's like, oh, what a boring topic. Good on her. I love her so much. She is, wow. Yeah. She's an oracle. Yeah, totally. She's an oracle. As are you, my friend. No. Well, uh, I am an ageing person, that's for sure. No, sorry. We all um, are. We all are. I, I think age is a privilege, like like I said in another interview, like you just told me, Um and I think there is something so cool about knowing stuff you don't know yes. when you're 10 years younger. Yes. There is that that experience at, that you do not get unless you have lived years. Totally. You, you don't get it until you've done it. And that self-belief stuff and like actually liking who you are when you walk into a room, I think that all comes from, hey, I'm, a, I'm an okay human. Yes. It's a good feeling. This has gone so, so fast. I have to say one more quote that I loved in your book. I'm going to let them do their thing and I'm going to go about my time. I'm going to, I'm, good one, Lola. I'm going to, I'm going to let them do their thing and I'm going to go about doing mine. And then I've always been the girl that's like, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think as well, working media in Australia, it's a reasonably small pool. And like you and I have run into each other at events and whatnot. And it's really nice to kind of like, dip your toe and enjoy them. But then I like this concept of staying in your lane when mm-hmm. it comes to career, when it comes to family life, everything. Mm-hmm. Is that something you kind of live by? I've gotten better at that. I was actually thinking about this in the shower. I Because <laughs> I always talk about staying in your lane. And 
I think about our team and Jen's here, our, my, our manager, and I think about the girl, we're an all-girl team except for Guy. Yeah. <laughs> the poor thing. <laughs> um, and I think about all of us and what we bring and what value we bring to this machine mm. that we run on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Everyone is good at something that the other person might not be good at. Yeah. So when I look at that, I just think, when everyone is running in their lane mm. and being good at what they do and not coming into someone mm. else's, you know, whatever, it is so well oiled and so successful and brilliant. And, I love and it's that. just like you have to tap in to what your value is mm. in any circumstance, in any situation, and what you bring, your essence, your thing, and do it. Ugh. Do it well. And don't try and be something you're not. Like, yeah, how totally. many times? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I am so aware of the things I'm not good at. I'm so aware. Yeah, so. Not good at it. Don't want to do it. Yeah, just totally. let someone else. Yeah, totally. do that. Like when I started cooking on Instagram, I was like, I am not good at cooking. I'm not. Your Insta cooking videos and cocktails and that Christmas wreath. Oh, man. I addictively watch it in bed with my boyfriend. It's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Jules has got another recipe up. (laughs) It's so addictive to watch. I think it is because you are the every person doing this thing. And so therefore I'm like, oh, I I know I've got cookbooks, but I'm not a natural chef. And so like to see you do it, I'm like, oh, I could go out and get those ingredients. I could pop down to the supermarket, no probs. Like it makes it so attainable. Yes. But if I tried to be like Lola Berry on Instagram doing the healthy, wholesome, like beautiful things, people would be like, what do you – I want a Toblerone cocktail, thanks. I mean, (laughs) you should see the cocktail that's about to come. It is gloriously full of all of the bad stuff. Um, But, yes – Stay in your lane. Do what you're good at. Don't do the things you're not good at. It's actually quite easy. So simple. Jules Sebastian, total honour. I, like I said, I've highlighted, I've got notes, I've reread parts of this book and it's, I'm going to get you to sign it after as well for me. You are going to do a little bit of touring around Australia with the book as well. So I'll tell people to look out. I'll I'll do a little bit of um, promoting as well, so that because I want everybody to get a chance to see you, and I hope you come to Byron Bay because that's where I live now. Can you invite me? <laughs> oh to in Byron. Gosh, how good is Byron? Uh, see, I've already got anxiety. I don't fit in there. I don't have the right. I don't have the right caftan. <laughs> I don't really like having bare feet. Like it's just a lot. The going amount on. of bare feet people there, where we have not. My Matt, Matt, Matt will will be lined up at a cafe, and it's all pebbly. Mm. And Matt will be Instagramming people with bare feet, saying, "This is crazy. He can't get wow. his head." Around. I can't. I am a shoe person. Same. Same. Okay, good. That's good. You live in Byron. You Bay can and you're a shoe totally have shoes. <laughs> to everybody listening. This incredible book, Teen Honesty by Jules Sebastian, is officially available at all good bookstores. Everywhere you can get it. I'm sure it's going to be at like the Myers, the David Jones, the Targets, the Dim, everything yes. tomorrow. So run out, get your hands on this bad, bad boy. It's incredible. And can you please sign it for me? Of course. Lola, thank you so much for having me and for really diving into the book. That means it truly means so much to me. It really uh, does. Thank it, you so much. It was a joy. It's a page turner. I yeah, I loved it, and I can't wait to see what's next from you, including that naughty cocktail that's oh, coming yeah, next. Get ready. <laughs>
That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at yummololaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Spread the love.